Good morning. Thank you, Greg. It is nice to be liked. I like Greg. I've gotten to know him and appreciate his heart as a pastor. It's been our joy to be uh, in uh, Hilton Head over the weekend. I have been here several times before just kind of uh, working around in the body of Christ uh, on the island. And it's wonderful to see how God is at work here. And I think what it confirmed to us, especially to uh, Richard and Mike and myself over the weekend, is that God is has always been at work here uh, in this place. But in these days, we sense he's doing some fresh things, especially as he's working across the face of the body of Christ on this island. And so we look forward to hearing uh, reports of what God will be doing in the days ahead. I want to uh, share briefly this morning uh, a message about God-centered living. What does it look like and what do we need to live a God-oriented life in the midst of all the voices that come at us in our world today? My wife and I have lived in the upstate of South Carolina for a good number of years, and uh, we live kind of out in the country, but we had been to Greenville uh, one day. I'm not sure if it was shopping or eating or what it was, and we were headed home. And so I said to my wife, let's take a shortcut. And um, we did. So I turned off the main road, and uh, just as we turned off the main road, you, you go about a quarter of a mile and you come to a crossroads. And, and, and so I came to the four-way stop and proceeded on the route. Well, now, about half mile past that crossroads, my eyes told me that they had not seen this before. But my manliness said, that's okay. I know it's right. Well, then my wife said those words that galvanize the ego of a man. I think we're going in the wrong direction. There is zero chance now that we're going to turn around. And we didn't. Until about ten miles down the road when I sheepishly turned right on Highway 178 so that I wouldn't end up in Anderson, South Carolina. About 20-something miles from our home. Well, that was an embarrassing and, and actually frustrating experience for me to be physically disoriented. I thought I knew where I was going, and I really didn't. I was headed in the wrong direction. And as frustrating as that was to be physically disoriented, I think it's much more frustrating and challenging and even dangerous in our life to be spiritually disoriented. Physical disorientation get you to the wrong place. Spiritual disorientation uh, gets you lost from God's purposes and his plans uh, for life. And we're left to navigate this challenge of life on our own. You see, we all face crossroads, not just at four-way stop signs, but there's a lot of four-way stop signs in life. Sometimes we face a crossroads of an attitude that we need to adjust, we need to confront, perhaps a thought life, words, actions, priorities that need to be adjusted. So what do we do at those moments? Do we react out of God's truth and God's best, or do we just bring our best thinking to the table? 
perhaps in our family with our spouse or our children, those crossroads moments of tough decisions and tough love and standards and how are we going to live as a family in our marketplace with our colleagues our friends and our community. We come to crossroads moments and what we do at those crossroads moments will determine the direction of our life and of our relationship for some time to come. See, where we are in life today is a product of the decisions that we've made at the crossroads of our life. There are lots of voices in the world today. There's more voices in the world today than I can ever remember. When I grew up in Silva, North Carolina. I didn't really grow up even in town. I grew up, some of you would know what a holler is. A uh, long ways from town. So I had a kind of a sheltered life, and there weren't many voices. But today we live in a, in a culture where lots of voices scream for our attention. Lots of them have microphones like megaphones and the TV and the Internet that just are constantly seem to be with us and all those devices we carry around that keep us connected. There's lots of voices. And when I read God's Word and I think about those voices, especially as I'm now a grandfather, I'm reminded of passages like Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, where the caution of the Apostle Paul says, Beware, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, Paul knew about the voices, the options. This tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Some years ago, as I was praying for my children and then for my grandchildren, God gave me a verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in that verse, Paul expresses his heart of how he prays for Timothy and exhorts Timothy in the midst of all the voices of life to be oriented to God, to not be distracted by the voices or by his own best thinking. And he says this in verse 20, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it and embracing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. My oldest grandson is Thomas, and often I find myself praying, Oh, Thomas, guard what was committed to your trust. Because I know that when I'm praying the Word of God back to God for my grandson, I'm praying in the will of God for my grandson. There's lots of voices. And how we... React to these voices at the crossroads moments of life will affect us individually, but also corporately. This year alone in America, 4,000 churches will close their doors forever. Uh, we have had a privilege to be called by God to come alongside many of those churches with our ministry. And the common characteristic we find is that the congregations have become disoriented to the voice of God. They become distracted by the voices of their own thinking and their own preferences rather than the purposes and plans of Christ as the head of the church. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, the scripture says, without revelation, the people are in chaos. It doesn't say that without our best thinking, they're in chaos. 
or without a word from the White House, we're in chaos. Or without a word from CNN, we're in chaos. It says, without revelation from God. And literally that word in the Hebrew, C-H-A-Z-O-N, means that which is made known that was previously not known. So we stand at crossroads moments in need of the revelation, the voice of God. And in the gospel text today, Peter, James, and John find themselves in the midst of an orientation crisis. Now imagine the scene on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus literally begins to glow. He's literally transformed before their eyes. And guess who shows up? Moses and Elijah. If Jesus shining was not enough, here come Moses and Elijah. So what a wonderful, special event that must have been. And they came to speak to Jesus about this crossroads moment in his life called the cross. Jesus was headed to the cross. The scripture says that Moses and Elijah came, sent by the Father to minister to his son. It says they were talking to him about the cross, about this demise of his that would be coming at the cross. But where do we find Peter, James, and John? We find them in the same condition that we found them sometime later in a garden. They were heavy with sleep. Now, it's, it's said that they weren't fully asleep. They stayed awake. But have you ever been in that state where you're so sleepy you can't hardly stay awake? You know, it's kind of like this. This will be my wife when we're driving home today back to the upstate. It's, it's kind of like this. You know, and eventually, you know, she'll go all the way out. But... And, and so they were awake, but they really weren't awake. You ever been there? You know, it's kind of like taking a Benadryl in the middle of the day. You know, it kind of makes you groggy to what's going on around you. And I think the voices of the world are kind of Benadryl for us if we're not careful. If we listen to the voices of the world, it kind of makes us groggy to the activity of God. Here was this activity of God, and, and, and they saw it, but they didn't see it. They didn't comprehend this activity of God and so Peter makes this really crazy statement. Here's Moses and Elijah and Jesus glowing. They're ministering to Jesus. And Peter says, let's build some buildings. I mean, did that give you a clue where he was? And it says, the scripture even says, not knowing what he said. And there have been many times when I've come to crossroads moments in my life or I've tried to see the activity of God and thought I saw it, and what came out of my mouth was totally disoriented, totally distracted. Peter had dealt with that before. He dealt with that distraction, distracting voice within him when Jesus said, all of you will deny me, and Peter said, no, I would never do that. And the voice of his pride disoriented him from the activity of God. And then the voices outside Peter got to him as well. As he stood by the fire and, and the girl said, Oh, you were one of those that was with Jesus. And Peter became so distracted by the voices around him and outside him. He became so disoriented that he cursed the name of his Savior. So we deal with voices and distractions. And in the midst of Peter's distracting, distraction, a cloud descended. The presence of God came. And they were terrified. 
And God spoke and said, this is my son. Listen to him. Peter, be quiet. Listen to my son. Listen to me. The reorienting voice of God. We need it continually in our lives. You know the interesting thing about that wrong turn in the upstate a few years ago? Guess what I had in my pocket? I was one click away. I had a GPS. But isn't God so gracious that he gives us the Holy Spirit? He gives us that wonderful internal GPS. The Holy Spirit who's fully God, who takes from the heart of the Father and the Son and makes it known to us. In the text read in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper, plans to give you hope, plans for your future. He is the God who speaks to us. In John chapter 16, Jesus talks about this Holy Spirit, this GPS within us of the truth of God. And he says that the Holy Spirit takes from what is known and what is given to him and he gives it to us, the voice of God within us. So how can we best hear his voice? What practically can we do among the plethora of the voices that are shouting at us around us today? How can we live oriented to and directed by the God who desires to help us navigate life? Two things I would say to you. You know that I'm not a full-blown Southern Baptist preacher, which was my heritage, because I don't have three points. I only have two. (laughs) How do we live oriented to his voice? We live best with an open Bible. With an open Bible. You see, the Word of God in Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is living. It's active. When we open the Bible... We encounter more than just another book, more than words and stories and people. We encounter God. We encounter His character and His truth and His purposes and His plans. And the Holy Spirit brings them alive as we expose ourselves to this wonderful living book. The Word of God penetrates like a two-edged sword. It judges us. God sees us, He knows us, and His truth affects us and judges us as we expose ourselves to the book. It brings correction. It brings instruction. In Psalm 119, and I hope you'll read Psalm 119 in your quiet. I won't read all of it today, not 170 plus verses. But I hope you'll read it because the psalmist is talking about how precious and wonderful and good and helpful and right and eternal is the Word of God. He says, Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. I will meditate on your precepts. I will contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your Word. I will not forget it for Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Jesus Himself prayed for us related to God's Word. In John chapter 17, in verse 17, as Jesus was praying for the disciples and then by extension He was praying for us, He prayed these words, Father, sanctify them by Your truth. And then He explained beyond that, He said, Your Word is truth. You see, there are many voices in the world, but there is one truth. That is eternal and right and good. I have some Facebook friends that I am convinced watch cable news 24 hours a day. And I don't know about you, but, you know, if you watch it for about 20 to 30 minutes, you've heard all the news there is. And then for about 23 hours, you hear some people tell you what you ought to believe about that or how you ought to think about that. Be very careful, whether it's the newspaper or talk radio or a 24-hour news station, make sure you don't hear the opinion of man more than you expose yourself to the truth of God. We live oriented lives when we live with open Bibles. We need a true north. We need a reference point. We need stability in the midst of the voices and the decisions And the second thing we do when I think it's profitable for us to hear God's voice and remain centered and oriented to Him is not only to live with an open Bible, but to live with a prayerful heart. A praying heart, a praying life. Next month, my wife and I will have been married for 44 years. And I know when you look at her, you think I married her when she was 10. But over those years, I have come to know her voice. I have come to trust her character. I have come to be confident in her person. I have come to be content in her presence. Why is that true? Because when she's not sleeping on the way home today, we'll be talking. We'll be communicating. And she'll be trying to keep me from going to sleep. Every relationship in life is strengthened by communication. Every relationship is deepened and bettered by communication. And prayer is the language of the love relationship that God desires with us. It's how we communicate I'm a visual person, and so the visual I have for a prayer is that we park our heart in front of God. I don't know how many of you have ever watched a NASCAR race, but, you know, NASCAR racers do pit stops, you know, every 30, 40, 50 laps. They'll just come flying into the pit, screech to a halt. They'll pump in some gas, put on some tires, and then they're gone again. If we're not careful, that's how we pray many times. God, this is a pit stop prayer. Fill me up. Give me everything I need because I've got some more laps to make today. And by the way, God, when I kind of run out of my best thinking and when I run out of energy, I'll be back. (laughs) Pit stop praying can keep you going in circles like a NASCAR racer rather than headed in a God-oriented direction. The founder of our ministry, Henry Blackaby, calls it unhurried time with God. And I think we come 
to prayer best when we come with two attitudes. First, the attitude of dependence. God, I need you. I've already figured out that I don't know how to do this. Have you lived long enough to know that you don't know everything? And the wonderful text in Isaiah says that our thoughts are not his thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And as high as the heavens are above the earth are his ways and thoughts above ours. But Jeremiah 33.3 is a wonderful promise to connect us with his ways and thoughts. For he gives us the invitation, call to me and I'll answer you. The God of heaven says, come and park your heart. Come to me, call to me and I'll answer And I'll tell you those great and unsearchable things that you do not know. A dependent heart. As we come aboard, I need you. I need a word from you. And from your word. From your heart. But then also to come with the posture of obedience. See, that's how Jesus came in the garden. Jesus was faced with the most difficult moment of his life. Headed to the cross. And he came to the Father in the garden and he said, If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Father, I'm still open to another way. But then the bottom line that ruled his life, the foundation that oriented his life, nevertheless, Father, it's not what I want. It's what you want. And you and I are here today because Jesus was centered on the Father. Because he was oriented To the Father. And let me tell you for a moment how God brought that together. Let me let me close with a crossroads moment from my life. God used a crossroads moment in my family to powerfully illustrate my need to be oriented to Him and to hear His voice. Because you see, When we hear from God, it's not always just for us. It's for other people in our lives as well. Our our youngest daughter was 23 years of age, and she was engaged to be married. She uh, had graduated from college with a double major, and she was working her first full-time job. But the young man that she was engaged to, my wife and I did not see that young man honoring God or honoring our daughter. It troubled us greatly. I don't know if you've ever had a 23-year-old daughter who's graduated from college, got her first full-time job. But you usually, normally you speak to them when you're invited. Uh, It's hard to tell a 23-year-old with a degree and a job that they don't know everything. You know, it's it's, it's like, I've got some advice for you. And so we were troubled. So I, this is one of those times I got it right because there's lots of times I had clay feet and got it wrong, but... I did what I knew to do. I cried out to God for my daughter. I said, God, I don't understand what she sees in this young man. I, I don't know what's going on. And would it surprise you that God began to give me scriptures and truths for my daughter about our situation? He began to give me thoughts. And I began to write those down and make notes of them and This went on for several weeks, and finally I said to God, God, why don't you just cut out the middleman and talk to her? (laughs) And let me tell you what God said. It's powerful. He said, Rick, 
she's not listening right now. She's not ready to hear. But you are, so I'm giving it to you. You see how powerful that is? If God puts people in your life, whether it's family or friends, associates, many times they have a need, they don't even know it yet. But God will begin to speak to you as you park your heart in front of His Word and as you hear Him at the place of prayer and He begins to prepare you to bring to them His Word. So it kept going on. The wedding invitations were on the counter in our kitchen. The bridesmaids' dresses had been purchased. And I woke up one morning and I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know that I haven't had a conversation. The door hasn't opened, but I've got to do this. It may cost me my relationship with my daughter for the rest of my life, but I've got to tell her what you told me. That night at 9.30, I'm sitting in my chair eating popcorn, which is where I'll be tonight at 9.30 when I get home. (laughs) And the door opened. My daughter walked in. And she said, as only a daughter can say, Dad, put your popcorn down. Now, she was a member of the congregation where I was a pastor. She said, I'm going to go sit in that chair right over there. And I'm going to, I want you to pretend as if I made an appointment with you and we're in your office. And she said, I'm going to ask you some questions. And then she kind of pointed her finger at me and said, you better tell me the truth. And she began to ask me about the relationship. I had two things that came to my mind. Lord, don't let me turn into a blubbering fool where I'm crying so hard I can't say anything. And then would you help me remember everything you've been telling me? For the next 45 minutes or so, I had the privilege of giving my daughter God's heart. I want you to know, we finally gave those six bridesmaids' dresses away because we never had to use them. She called us. She said, it's over. Not going to do it. And today she's married to a godly man with three of our grandkids. But let me tell you, in closing, what I learned about God. And about the great need we all have to be oriented to Him and to avoid the voices of the world. When I was praying, reading his word, God made me aware of what he was doing, his activity. You see, as we pray and read his word, God orients us to his character so that we more readily see his activity. We hear conversations differently. We see circumstances differently because he is in charge. We are ingesting his truth. The Holy Spirit is at work. Another truth that I learned was, unless I seek what is on God's heart and mind, unless I learn to hear His voice, I have nothing but my best thinking to give to other people in my life. How tragic would it have been if my daughter had come to me at the second most important moment in her life, other than her salvation, and asked me those questions, and all I had to give her was Dr. Phil. Or all I had to give her was the latest self-help book I'd read. Or all I had to give her was what was most convenient for her dad. How tragic would it have been to have robbed her 
of a word from God's heart. Let me tell you, parents and grandparents, that's why you need to live life with an open Bible and a prayerful heart because the generations coming after you need you to. They're crying out for you to, whether they realize it or not. God gives us truth for us, but he also gives it for someone else who may not be ready to listen yet. And let me give you the final two things, and I'll be, final two things I learned, and I'll be done, and I'm going to come down here. This is coming out at me. God brought a verse of Scripture alive to me. I call it the convenience store verse. Matthew seven eleven. That's how I remember it. Here's what it says. Jesus said, if you, being evil as a father, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to his children when they ask? God said to me, Rick, you're a sinner. You're a father. You're imperfect. But just think how passionate you were. Every fiber of me ached to give to my daughter a blessing. He said, Rick, if you were aching that bad, how much more do you think your Father in heaven, who's perfect, desires to give you His best? A whole new understanding of God. And then finally, I got a brand new picture of Jeremiah 33.3. I'm visual, so here it goes. Call to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. So here's how I see God. I see Him leaning toward my life, ready to give me everything I need to navigate the crossroads in front of me and to ignore all those other voices. Father, would You help us to drive down stake in our life and to adjust priorities so that we can live with open Bibles and prayerful hearts. That we might be your people and be the aroma of Christ where you planted us. In the powerful name of Jesus, and the people said, Amen.